0: Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International.
1: Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name's Ryan, and I'm on the ministry team here at Journey, and you get the privilege to host the podcast with Pastor Christian. This Sunday was message one of four in a a new series entitled Christmas at Journey, and so we're in uh, John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, the first chapter for Christmas season, and this message is called, uh, God Came Down. I want to welcome you if you're listening for the first time today. We're glad you found us. We're glad uh, maybe hopefully a friend of yours or a family member suggested this podcast to help you grow and, and hopefully to help activate your faith. Uh, Pastor Christian, this is episode 200.
0: Yeah, it's a big one.
1: It's a big one. Hard to believe. Um, we even have uh, Jason on uh, on the technician today, and he helped us get this thing started a couple years ago. Now,
0: yep, I bet. Yeah, I bet Jason probably did the first seventy-five to a hundred of the podcast, including all the beta tests that were that were not great <laughs> yeah. um, in the early ages, either in content or technology. But as we've slowly upgraded technology, and we've learned to uh, talk a little more clearly and simply and succinctly. About how to activate your faith. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's been good. I can't, I can't believe we've done two hundred of these. I mean, as you think about it, just in the terms of weeks, it's like, man, we've been talking about, we've been talking about Jesus like this every week for four years. And the reality is, we've taken summers off, so we're, you probably heading on four and a half, five years of almost every week, just talking about the message and how to apply it to your life in a, in a, in a way that helps you grow. Yeah. My math skills are off there. I said a
1: couple of years. Yeah. We're, we're four, four and a half years yeah. of, uh, of some, of some content that I really, I really do believe has helped people. I really believe you, like I get a lot of folks who have said, man, I listen to the podcast, love it, grown, I don't miss it. You know, and then the weeks that we don't do it, they're like, right. Oh man, I did, There was no right. podcast this week. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a real joy to do. Uh, as you begin this study in the Gospel of John, you start by helping helping people understand the ministry biographies of Jesus, what we know as the Gospels. As our listeners, I really believe, desire to understand Scripture in a deeper way, can you unpack those differences
0: for them? Yeah, so just to, I'll, I'll just do it quickly since we did it in the message, but four men wrote ministry biographies of the of the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, each author with a specific audience in mind that just gave a, a unique perspective on who Jesus was and what Jesus did and why that mattered to the people that that they were writing to. Uh, Matthew, whose Hebrew name would have been Levi, uh, who was writing to Jewish people to convince them that Jesus was the promised Messiah of the Old Testament, who quoted more Old Testament scripture, more from the Hebrew Bible, uh, the 39 books of the Hebrew Bible then Mark and Luke and John combined because his very unique perspective was, hey, the, like the Hebrew Scripture said this Hebrew Messiah was going to come, and here he is. Uh, you have Mark, who probably wrote what he heard the Apostle Peter preach over and over and over, uh, writing to a group of Gentiles who lived in a very pantheistic society, um, the Greek and Roman gods, where uh, hum- humanity served the gods, who who turned that on its head and presented Jesus as the servant to humanity. Um, so a very a very unique book. The shortest of the books. Uh, the word immediately is used often. You can kind of hear the tone and the tenor um, of Peter in the message of everything was rushed. Everything was in a hurry. Everything was right now. Everything was a big deal who just kind of hits the high points of the ministry. You have Luke, who was a Gentile doctor, a second-generation Christian, meaning he wasn't an eyewitness who said, hey, I wrote this book because I heard about Jesus and wanted to check him out. So I went and interviewed a bunch of eyewitnesses to make sure what I heard was actually credible, and he wrote his book to a friend, basically helping his friend understand that, hey, this story of this of this God who came down, who died and then rose from the dead, we needed to make sure this wasn't a fairy tale and Luke presents him in his humanity. Like this was a real part. He really was born um, of a virgin. He really was born as a baby. He really grew up as a, as a kid. And he, he was fully man, but proved himself in his crucifixion and his resurrection as also being fully God. Uh, And then you had John who probably had a knowledge of all three of those books who gave the Paul Harvey rest of the story and the big deal that John wanted to write about getting nearer to the second century was to make sure that people knew Jesus was God, because Jesus had become like he is in our society, and even he, even even he wasn't in real time. I mean, Jesus asked his disciples, "What do people say about me?" And there were a lot of rumors floating around about Jesus that were um, true but not totally accurate. You're a great prophet. You're John the Baptist. You're a phenomenal teacher. You're a miracle worker. He was all those things, but he was God. Um, he was God, and he and he deserves and demands the devotion of his followers, so John said, "I want to make sure you understand that Jesus was the God who came down, and he presented Jesus as the answer as the God who came down to solve the greatest problems of humanity, literally from the first day of creation through the ministry of Jesus into today. So four unique authors presenting four unique perspectives trying to fill in the gaps so that we might fully understand who Jesus is. You know, in our men's
1: and women's studies this uh, this last semester and this upcoming semester, our, our men's and women's groups have been studying the book of John right? Um, in the Jesus track. Uh, we'll have some new material for this next semester, but a main focus of the book is, as you mentioned, the deity of Jesus, and it's revealed in three, three ways that you talk about—the Word of God, the light of God, and the dwelling of God. So what do you hope becomes clear as we study these three and this week in particular, Jesus as the Logos.
0: Yeah, so Logos is a is a great word. Um, as I said, the, the word Logos is a word in the Greek language. It helps us understand the Word of God. Um, so it, you know, the word for word is Logos. It's really the word we get logic from in the English language. And what John was trying to do in John chapter 1, really we're not studying the Gospel of John, we're not studying John chapter 1. We're studying 14 verses of John chapter 1. And in these 14 verses, John presents Jesus as three things that can, that can only be God. He is the Lagos. He is the light. He is, he is the dwelling of God with man. And this week we focus on lot, uh, Lagos, or the word, that basically meant two things, um, to irreligious uh, people who didn't understand Scripture very well, uh, I kind of referred to the Logos as the Force for our Star Wars fans. It, it was this thought in Greek culture that there was some kind of some kind of basic morality, justice. There was a there was a right and there was a wrong in the spirit of the air. Like there were just some things that were right and wrong. They didn't attribute it to a god. They didn't attribute it to morality. They didn't attribute it to scripture. It was just kind of an, a, a passive force that, that was the thing that held everything together. It was kind of the basic fabric of society, the Lagos. It is the thing that's right and holds things together. In, in the Jewish culture, the word literally was the word of God. Because God often spoke. And the and the Jewish people believe they understood everything they understood about the world because of what God spoke, the words that he told them. So he spoke creation into existence. Um, he spoke the Ten Commandments. Um, he spoke promises to Abraham and to David and to Jeremiah, um, the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, the new covenant. Like What they knew of God, they knew because he told them through his words so what so, what the Greeks kind of worshiped or acknowledged in the universe that there was, that there was a force, and what the Jews acknowledged through special revelation that there is a truth um, we we hear presented from John is Jesus is both of those things. Jesus is the fabric of the world that's holding everything together. you just don't know his name yet, and Jesus both gave the word and is the word that reveals the truth of god so communicating to this congregation in ephesus modern-day turkey that had people with greek backgrounds and jewish backgrounds he told both of them the thing that you're placing your hope on the logos that there is a underlying fabric that holds everything together there is his name's jesus let me tell you about him the Jews who believe that the underlying fabric that held everything together was the spoken word of God and what he had told people. John's like, you're right, but the person behind all that is Jesus. Let me tell you about him. John basically said the thing that both of you are holding your hopes on has a name, and it's Jesus. Let me tell you about him. So he literally took their worldview and he named it. He took their worldview of the things they knew that were right, that there there was a a governing fabric of the world that held things together, that was right. Both of them believe that in their own ways. And John said, that thing you have is revealed in Jesus. Let me tell you about him.
1: It's really fascinating. I think there's probably people listening who wonder, how do you know all that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you, you read, I mean, so you you study people who have studied lots of Jewish culture and lots of Greek culture, and they've studied lots of Greek writings, um, you know, all all the way back to the Aristotles and the Platos and how they saw the world, the the basic philosophical spiritual worldview that they had, which was defined as this logos, this 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 understanding of understanding of of an underlying fabric that holds the world together. They're like, we know the Greeks believe that because they wrote about it, they talked about it, yeah. and you can study that, and we know what the Jews believe. So when you hear John say that. You just look at John preaching to his congregation, understanding what John is saying, understanding their worldviews, and saying, This makes a lot of sense. John here is is basically preaching to everyone. Um, and he has real practical advice that lines up with something that these people already believe that but they're searching for a name and a story and, and trying to figure out how to what we would call flesh out their story. Like I have this philosophical belief. How, you know how do I flesh it out where I can understand it, and John says, "Let me tell you about Jesus
1: yeah, and I think people are interested in how they can dig in and learn more, so you, you kind of answered how you you know you've got you got to study you at gotta, the,
0: yeah at the very basic you got to get a study Bible I mean at the very basic you got to get a study Bible, and if you're willing to invest in some really good commentaries that even go deeper and underst- you know and explaining both the history and usually the vocabulary in the original languages." and how that vocabulary has been traced through history. Um, it helps you just really understand practically uh, what was said. And yeah, anyone that would have any questions could email us at activate at take the and we could recommend some good affordable commentary sets uh, that would allow people to begin to, to dig in at a deeper level.
1: Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that incarnation uh, to be made into flesh, such a mm-hmm. difficult concept, as you mentioned, and you make this statement, Today we learn the truth of incarnation and purpose of it. At the end, we'll assess if we need to place our faith in it, uh, uh, to place our faith in something else. Why is this aspect of incarnation so important to reflect on?
0: That's a a great question. And the quote that I gave along with this message um, from Charles Ryrie, who's a great theologian, was basically, this doctrine is one of the most difficult, spiritual things to comprehend. It's a great quote. I I, I almost read it, but... Yeah, that they're possible. Like, there's not much more in theology that is harder to wrap your mind around than this. And then I doubled down in the message with Isaiah 55 and Deuteronomy 29 that basically says, like, and don't even try. So the great theologian Ryrie says, is really hard to understand. Isaiah says, there's some things you you're not going to understand you just have to trust and then god says in deuteronomy there's some things you're not going to understand that you not only need to trust but you need to obey so we get to the end of this message and and i love how i love how i ended this message because i believe it built my faith i get to the end of the message in the seven things that the incarnation does and the thought that God became man, that God put on flesh, incarnation in Latin, incardo, which means literally in flesh. The, the fact that God came wrapped in flesh, um, is very, very hard to believe. So I went a step further and I said, "We know it's hard to believe. So let's just get over that. Hard to believe. The question is, is it necessary to receive? And when you see what the Incarnation promises, that you were separated from god but that you can be connected to god through jesus and he's the only one who can do it with a gracious gentle perfect loving spirit is it hard to believe of course is it necessary to receive of course for any for anyone who's lived a life with enough humility to know that they have fallen short of who jesus was or what god's standard for them would have been yes it's necessary it's necessary to have the offer that the Incarnation offers us, where God becomes human so humans can become spiritual. And one day, God God put on flesh and became a man. One day, the Apostle Paul says, we'll put on the incorruptible. We'll put on like this spiritual garment that is eternal and is immortal. Is it hard to believe? Yes. Is it necessary to receive? Well, I guess only f- for those people who think they might die, which... Is everyone, yeah, I mean, if there's a desire and there's a hope and there's uh, on, the in, uh, on the inside, if there's a, a reality that this life might end and there might be a next life, yes, it's necessary for someone to give us an opportunity to live that life. So the incarnation is really hard to believe, but at the exact same time when you realize what it is, it's very necessary to receive if we want to be connected to an, e- an eternal God eternally.
1: Yeah. Question 4 actually goes along with your one of your reflection questions that you make mention in the message and it was Tuesdays and you reference uh, Deuteronomy 29:29 29, 29, yeah. and you kind of already alluded to that the secret things belong to the Lord our God but the things uh, revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law and then the key reflection is what are what are some of the secret areas of your um, of life where your faith is being stretched to simply trust God because there are no black and white answers in scripture right now how would you help our audience kind of tackle those
0: so yesterday we're recording this podcast on December 1st so yesterday a 15 year old student walked into uh, a high school like thirty miles north of Detroit um, with a nine millimeter six hour that His dad had bought four days before um, and shot, I think, 11 people. Three of them died. Three of them still in critical condition. Uh, The three who died, 14, 16, and 17. Um, The rest in the hospital, all teenagers except for one teacher. It's really hard when you believe in a good God who is both good and powerful. We would say perfectly good and all-powerful. It's really hard to see something like that and think like how how does a really good really powerful God allow this to happen and you search the scriptures and you know the scriptures tell you well sin broke the world and people are broken broken people break things and God is there for redemption and he'll fix it eventually for for eternity but those are those gray areas where where Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine has to hang in your soul because it's like it has not been revealed to me how that makes sense in any way it's not been revealed to me how I can be comforted in that it's not been revealed to me how I cannot be afraid when my kids go to high school it's not been revealed to me what to tell the parents of the three kids who died or even the parents of the shooter it's not been revealed to me in scripture what to do in this situation or really how to respond in black and white in a way that everyone agrees with like it it's not it's not like the greeks had the lagos and the jews had the word it's like everyone believes this so here's how it's more practical like it's very very difficult and i i think these are the aspects of our faith um you know what are some of the secret areas of life where faith is being stretched to simply trust god because there's no black or white answers it's this it's COVID. It's racism for our African American brothers and sisters who are watching. So many churches over the last year or two, bend to one side of the spectrum or another, and it's like I think you literally passed right over us as, as people, so that you could pick the you know the side of the crowd that you wanted to play to. It. Though, those are, the Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine secret things. Those are things. Where we wish there was a clear answer, where there was a scripture like a a chapter and a verse that said, "Do this, feel this, believe this." Here's what'll happen as a result of this. Where we have a worldview where we believe God is good, humanity's broken, we break things, God fixes them. Eventually, He redeems and restores all things. But in the midst, man, we we live in a lot of gray, where the where that kind of the simple statements of um. Like, just trust God, it'll be okay. God's sovereign, God's powerful, He's got a plan. Like, none of those really fit a lot of the things that happen in the world. And I think that's where Christians have to acknowledge that God told us there's going to be a lot of areas like that. So, the things that I've told you, the things I've revealed to you, you got to obey those, you got to teach those to your kids. And the things you don't, those are areas where your faith is going to be stretched, but where your faith is going to be strengthened. But you've got to let your faith go through the stretching in order for your faith to be strengthened. And sometimes those seasons seem like forever until that muscle feels um, strong again and, and not just weak. And Ryan, I mean, that that situation from yesterday, we could back up through the calendar of 2021, and there's one per day on the national or international scale that allows us to have the same conversation of if God is good and if God is powerful, what's going on here and how am I even supposed to think about this in terms of my life, my family, the impact it has on me and, and the world around me and, and what I believe spiritually um, and that's that's where faith trusts, hopes, believes all things uh, and and where we trust that this eter- this eternal Lagos word one day we'll get to have a conversation with Jesus where he either explains it to us or um, he says, "You're just going to have to trust me." And the tone of his voice that we hear with our ears and the look in his eye that we see with our eyes is enough for our heart. Where it's not enough right now because we don't have the visual verbal um, that we need. We have have the scriptural promises, but it it takes a little spiritual meat to hang on to those for a long time.
1: And those are hard to handle. Let's face it, you hear about these things every day or weekly. And you think, what can I do? How can I help? And yeah, you have to trust that God's working in that area because you can, you can just touch the people around you. We don't live in those communities or in that country, so yeah, those are things that you wrestle with as you think through those. You ask an important question in the message: Why did Jesus come in the flesh? Right? You kind of, you unpack this a little, little bit, bit, right? Yep. The, these seven things so important. Why? Why is it essential for our listeners to understand these seven reasons about why Jesus came in the flesh? Yeah. So
0: all these reasons are hard to believe. All these reasons are necessary to receive. Um, Jesus came in the flesh to reveal God to us, Ryan. We would not have found him if he didn't say, "Here I am." <laughs> like it just like we would have searched high and low in the universe, and there are some trying even in even in other universes, trying from millions of light years away to figure out if there's any life anywhere. We would not have found God if He would not have revealed himself to us. We would not have known what perfect creation looked like had Jesus not came and lived and somebody told his story. We would have always thought that what pleased God was the person who maybe was just the best guy or the best gal that we knew, but the chink in their armor would have said, "Mm, you know, maybe God could have done better um, to provide an effective sacrifice for sin. In the Old Testament, Scripture said that The sacrifice for sin had to be spotless and without blemish. Well, what human do you know that was perfect, that anyone would claim was perfect, that anyone would even claim perfection on their own? But Jesus, if a sacrifice had to be perfect, then it had to be Jesus. Uh, To fulfill the Abrahamic and Davidic covenants, God told Abraham one of his relatives would would bless the entire world, God told David... Someone born into his family would come and rule the entire world. Those are real people. Like, okay, like what person blessed the entire world or pledged to rule the entire world but Jesus? um, To destroy the works of the devil who broke everything. Jesus made it right. To be a sympathetic high priest. A high priest was a mediator between God and man. But not just a high priest, a sympathetic high priest. One who cared, one who felt what we felt, an empathetic, who was tempted in all the ways that we were, who not only forgave us, but lovingly forgave us because they understood how much sin broke us. And someone to be qualified as a judge, someone who could judge righteously because they had lived righteously without any bias at all. Like, it's hard to believe that someone could be these things. But when we look at what we are, it is necessary to have someone be these things if we're going to connect to a holy God. So the question again is not, is it hard to believe? It's, is it necessary to receive? If we're going to see God, Jesus was necessary. If we're going to see perfection in humanity, Jesus is necessary. If we're going to have someone perfect die for our sin, Jesus is necessary. If we have to have a human being both related to Abraham, Jewish, and David of the royal line, it's got to be Jesus. Jesus. If we have someone who destroys the works of the devil and has powerful influences over demonic spirits, well, it's got to be Jesus. If it's somebody who can mediate between us and God because they know what it's like to be us, well, it's got to be Jesus. And if it's somebody who can judge righteously because they're like all of these things, we need, we need these things. And John says, Jesus offers us all of them in the incarnation, so difficult doctrine to understand, not a difficult doctrine to receive. Cause it's like, I, like, I don't get it, but I need it. So I'll take it. It's, it's like the medicine we take. Um, you know, when we're sick and we go to the doctor and they, pre- they prescribe us something. We normally don't try to figure out the nuts and bolts of what it does in our body. We just want to know that it works when they prescribe us something. It's like, is this going to help me get better? When they say yes, we don't normally say how. Tell me what it's going to do. Tell me how it'll break down. Tell me the release. Tell me of what it does to my DNA or my RNA or how it attacks it. Is we just is it going to make me better? When we look at this, we're like, Jesus really going to do these things for me? Yes, I'll take him. Don't understand all of it, but I need that. Jesus going to do that for me? Then I'll take him.
1: An activate question that I think um, is important, and, and I know why you wanted this in this message. Toward the end, you you share a key question will we will we identify with Jesus in baptism the way we the way he identified with us in the incarnation will you challenge our listeners on on taking this important next step if they haven't already
0: yeah so so Jesus put on flesh to become like man christians put on baptism to become like Jesus like it is the thing that he asks us to do to identify with him not only to identify with his baptism, he was baptized, not only to identify with the Jewish tradition of the mikvah, which symbolized a ritual cleansing, but identifying with, I have died to myself and been cleansed by Jesus so that I can live for God. Jesus came from heaven to earth to identify with humanity. So one day we could go from earth to heaven, identifying with him. And Jesus said, here's how you tell the world you do that. You get baptized. You get in a tank of water, you get in a body of water, you get in a pool of water, and you tell the world, I'm with Jesus now. And here's how I'm going to show you that I do that. This water is going to symbolize that I've been forgiven. I'm going to go underneath it like I've been buried. I'm going to come out like I've been resurrected. Jesus acted like me. This is me acting like him. And it's our first step of obedience to say, I'm with him. And if you're a follower of Jesus who hasn't done that one of the greatest things you can do in your faith walk to begin your faith walk, to move from crawling to walking is take your first step. We have a friend who we had dinner with a, um, a, a family of several couples uh, at our house like a week or two ago, um, and one of them has an almost one-year-old son. His birthday's right around Christmas, and he had that week taken his first step. So the whole night after dinner, we were trying to get him to take another step, and he wouldn't. But watching everyone wait with bated breath to cheer on him taking a step just reminded me of how important it is for the angels in heaven as they watch our spiritual walk to watch baby Christians get in the baptism tank in front of everyone and say, I'm with Jesus and go into the water and symbolically show the world their sins are forgiven and that they've died to themselves and they're raised to walk in newness of life. Uh, like I can just hear the angels cheering saying like he look he took his first step. She took her first step. That is the act of baptism that we want people to celebrate if they've not do- if they're a follower of Jesus and they've not done that yet. No need to let the calendar turn to another year before they do it.
1: December nineteenth. December nineteenth, yep. We're gonna do it after church. So if you're listening and you want to to be a part of that, either email one of us you know or email activate at takethejourney.cc. Uh we would love to celebrate that uh wonderful day with you. Final question is, how do we like to conclude, right? The fourth discipleship track is our leadership track where we're is to lead people to help somebody else with what they have learned. What from this message, Pastor Christian, would you want our audience to share with someone else?
0: Oh man, that's a really good question. Be- because of the theological nature of the message, I think the practical reasons of why Jesus came in the flesh. I think of teaching people, The seven reasons that Jesus came in the flesh according to scripture and then teaching them the reality. It's hard to believe them. It's necessary to receive them. So let's get past as we talk to people. Let's get past trying to convince them that it's true. And let's just convince them that it's needed and then let faith complete the cycle. Because if people realize the need, they will put their faith in what is true If we just mentally try to cross the bridge, it might be hard. But if we can spiritually connect the need to the answer, faith will build that bridge that will allow someone to believe and lean into the truth. So I think not just the seven reasons, but the seven reasons as necessity, not just believable truth. It is believable truth. But if we can help people realize it's necessary, then they can choose whether or not to believe it's true uh, when they realize they need it in their life and there's nothing more true that says that it can help them, then Jesus. Pastor Christian, thanks for,
1: uh, as always, sharing wisdom, even, even uh, some steps on how people can dig deeper. There's some real good activate steps for you if you're someone who wants to learn and grow in your faith. Our hope is always to help you activate. If you're in the Kansas City area, we hope you'll come and join us. Our grand uh, opening will be in January, but our building will be open for our first services in the new building in uh, December 19th. 845 and 1030. We would love to have you come and be a part of those services with us live. As always, if we can encourage you, help you answer a question, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.